You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. We're starting to move into the off-season Super Bowl in the books. DJ, still a very, very happy man after the, the result that went down last week. I know I was talking to a few Seahawks fans. Obviously, it's a tough time for them at the moment. They'll have to think about it. Like the Packers fans not lost against the Seahawks, going to have to think about that throughout the off-season. Today on the show, DJ, we're going to be joined by our pals at Packers UK, and uh, we're going to talk through the Packers, how their season went, how they're looking towards the draft and free agency and so on and so forth. And we're going to be joined by the two founders of the Packers UK fan group. So looking forward to that. We've had Stephen on a number of times in the show, and we're going to be joined by his pu- his pal and uh, his partner in crime, I guess we'll call him, Ryan Peacock. So that'll be coming up in just a little moment. We're going to be doing this kind of series throughout the off-season, getting some people on to talk about how their team's done, how they're looking forward uh, to you know how the team will build this off-season. Maybe if the season didn't go too good for them and if the season went good, how maybe it can go a little bit better next year. So we're going to have on a, a number of different people com- covering a number of different teams. So we're going to try and fit in as many of the teams as we can before the NFL draft. And of course, we'll be talking draft stuff as the season comes on. We'll have on guests as well former and current players from around the National Football League. So looking forward to getting all that uh, in the coming weeks. We're going to take this podcast out. We're shooting it out on a Sunday night. We thought some of you might be uh, watching, yeah, or having withdrawal symptoms watching the games. We thought you might want to listen to a podcast. So might uh, send some podcasts out on Sunday evenings to uh, give you some NFL content. But DJ, as always, uh, thanks for joining me on the show. How has the last week been as you've enjoyed uh, a week off the Super Bowl's Super Bowl champion New England Patriots? Yeah, Colin, you mentioned this week's podcast coming out on a Sunday, and I'm sure, like many Patriots fans, and I done it earlier on in the day, but I'm sure they're probably still watching and re-watching the Super Bowl from last week, and anybody that missed it and hiding under a rock the last week, the final score was 28-24, lit Malcolm Butler interception, so uh, beast mode if you're listening, not even I know why you didn't get the ball last week, but <laughs> thankfully Pete Carroll decided, and Russell Wilson decided that Somebody else should get the ball, that man was Malcolm Butler. And we talked on last week's show, or on the recap show, Colm, about Tom Brady maybe having to give away his car to Malcolm Butler, obviously by his own choice, but Chevrolet have now come out and said they're going to give them both a car, so oh. Tom Brady has yet another car to put in a garage that probably has more cars than most showrooms do in the world, but... Hey, and uh, I didn't actually know that DJ so that's interesting maybe Chevrolet can uh, send a car over here if Tom Brady mentions that he wants to give over a time Ireland a car maybe we'll get one sent over here as well that'll be a nice touch but uh, obviously we'll be talking more about that game again DJ with you later in the show and uh, lots of stuff well, I was about to say lots of stuff not much going on but there's bits and pieces going on around the National Football League that we'll be wrapping up after we talk with the, the Packers UK guys but as always, to start the show, DJ, last word on sport are our partners, and they're doing a great job each and every week, as I always mention, supporting Overtime Ireland, have us on the Last Word on Sport radio network, be tweeting out our podcast and so on and so forth, helping spread the word, help us gain more listeners, more followers. Anyone that's listened to the show for the first time, hopefully enjoy, hopefully you'll hit that subscribe button, hopefully you'll come back and listen to us on a regular basis. Our Twitter handle, as always, is at Overtime Ireland. Our website is OvertimeIreland.com. And, you know, all the stuff we've gone on, it's really down to the, the fan support that helps grow us each and every week, uh, get more and more followers and listeners. We're doing this just as a, a hobby on an independent basis. And your your tweets, your shares, your likes, your comments on Twitter and so on and so forth help grow it. So anyone that hasn't gone, give us a rating on uh, iTunes yet, uh, you know, 
head on over there, give us a rating and give us a little comment and uh, let people know why, why you like the show. Hopefully you'll, you'll come back and uh, enjoy it again. And uh, thanks to everyone who continues to support the show. I was plugging there, Last Word on Sport, before I went on and got into plugging ourselves. Of course, our website is lastwordonsport.com and their Twitter handle is at lastwordonsport. They have all the, you know, a lot of people here now, no NFL, probably a little bit less for the next uh, probably seven, eight months, DJ. So we're going to be talking on our show about the NFL, but they have you covered for things like baseball, NBA, all the other sports going on. So do check them out. That's lastwordinsport.com. So, DJ, we're going to go in now to the, the Packers UK guys, and we're going to get them on the show. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers right now. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker and Super Bowl champion, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. On the show now, we're going to have a little bit of a, a, a Packers love fest. Maybe we'll call it. Uh, it was a difficult end to the season. I've been joined now by two of the guys from the UK Packers fan group. And uh, it's a group, as everyone knows here, uh, I follow quite closely. And then Stephen, of course, has been on a number of times with us to talk about the Packers. And uh, we've been joined as well by Ryan Peacock, who is another fountain member of the group. So thanks, guys, for both coming on to, to talk a little bit of Packers. No worries. How's it going? Yeah, that's great. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off. I don't want to bring up bad feelings, boys, but uh, the Seahawks game was the way that the Packers season ended. Obviously, the Seahawks then lost in the Super Bowl. But have uh, have you kind of digested through it? Have you kind of got over it, or is it something that's still lingering with you? Well, Ryan, what do you think? Are you over it yet? Um, I don't know. I suppose we were going to have to talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, we were we were trying to put it out of our minds. And obviously, when we were watching the Super Bowl, um, I think I said to several people, we're, "We're not talking about it all night." But then people sort of creep up to you, and they kind of want they want to talk about it. Cause I feel like they've got to get it off the chest. They've yeah. got to try and get rid of the heartache. Um, I don't know. It's it's was it lost in one moment? I don't know. In that game, I mean, I think you can go back through the season and say that actually, if we'd won the game at Buffalo or we'd won one of the other games that we lost that we should have won. Um, then we'd have had home field advantage and I don't think we'd even be talking about it. So was it lost in that game? Yes, there were things that went wrong. But again, it's a whole season's worth of stuff and I think you could you could just keep looking back to find the root cause. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Ryan. And when you're when you're looking back at it, you mentioned the game in Buffalo, you know, there was a lot of things went wrong in that game. A couple of games at the start of the season as well. Likewise, obviously you look back to the, the first game of the season in Seattle, if they'd have won that, they would have been playing Seattle at home in Lambeau rather than on the road. But the thing then, when you are up you know, a couple of scores with a few minutes to go. Like, uh, you know, I was determined that night not to go on Twitter the whole night, and I did. After that Morgan Burnett interception, that was the first time I went on Twitter, and I had a little go with the Seahawks, and, you know, it all came back to <laughs> came back to haunt me in the end up. But, you know, it's strange. The Packers lost in a way that things started to just crumble over a kind of 10-minute period where things weren't going right. Do you remember back at the start of the game, too? They could have went for the touchdowns. That's another story, but... Then in the Seahawks game, then this past week in the Super Bowl, theirs all came down to one particular moment, and that was that interception at the end. Whereas the Packers came down to a number of moments. I wonder, uh, in your opinion, just uh, which would be harder to take. Obviously, when you're you're supporting the team in the Green Bay Packers, that was a tougher one to take. But if you just kind of compartmentalize them and think of just the way the two games ended, which do you think would be a, a tougher one to go with? Uh, well, personally, I think the Seahawks. I think. Uh, well, I don't know. Like when you look at it this way, right? Uh, I found that the Packers were so many mistakes by separate individual people, by you know separate individual units that made yeah. the mistake that it just really annoyed me. So we had the Morgan Barnett hitting the deck uh, when he shouldn't have on the run back. When if you look at the 22-man field, he could have ran that nearly back for a touchdown. Uh, then you have Bostic coming up and making a balls of it then. <laughs> you know, Jordy Nelson standing there looking at him going, what are you doing? And I don't know, an awful lot of people are looking at the offense and saying that they should have maybe got the touchdowns 
in the first quarter, like what you were saying. But I'm not I'm not wholly convinced that they're to blame in that regard. Uh, in the sense that you're playing the you know the best defense in the league, every expert uh, before the game had you written off against the, these lads. So to get three points at all, you know, without getting picked off or intercepted. So I think it's to be honest, I think it's harder to take the Packers' loss because there was so many people making mistakes. You know, whereas when it comes down to the Seahawks, at least you have somebody to blame and you can get over it. You know, you blame Pete Carroll for throwing the ball. He's trying to be too clever than handing it off to Marshawn Lynch. You know, he's kind of thinking the Patriots are going to expect it. Well, the Patriots can expect it all they like. They're, you're still going to get the touchdown. So, you know, they, all, all you're doing is is that you know that the Patriots are setting up for the run. But for watch them run you run it into the end zone, you know. Yeah. So I think the Packers are hard to take because, you know, as, as time goes on, the more I see Aaron Rodgers getting injured. And I'm thinking, you know, is this his peak now? He won his MVP, but is he going to keep getting injured? You know, last season the collarbone, this season the calf. What's next, you know? And you mentioned there, obviously, there were so many plays, and you didn't even go, ha-ha, Clinton Dexit, probably the best game of his career, but that two-point conversion, he really, if he had to stop that, then that field goal at the end is to win the game rather than bring it to overtime. So all those things come into it. But, you know, it's a, it's a few weeks since I've listened to a lot of Packers podcasts, I've listened to a lot of different stuff, and kind of time heals the wounds a little bit. But you mentioned there, uh, it was something I was going to ask later in the show, but I'm going to bring it up now at the start, and that is, you mentioned Rogers' injuries. Is this here a, a big missed opportunity? Obviously, it's a chance to get to the Super Bowl. I think if they'd have got to the Super Bowl, I do believe they would have won it, and that's, I think, why it hurt Packers fans even more uh, at the time. But when you look at it now, Aaron Rodgers' uh, window as a, you know, the top quarterback in the National Football League, people say quarterbacks over 32 don't usually win a Super Bowl. Well, Tom Brady done that last week, and he's a lot older than 32. So yeah. we're looking now at... We're going to look in a minute at free agency and all that. That's why I was going to ask it about at the end. But we'll just start with it. And Aaron Rodgers, obviously, the injuries last season, two years in a row with a, a number of injuries. Do you think the window's opening or do you think it's closing? I, I like to look at it the other way. I think it's opening because you have all these players around him that are developing and getting better. And then he, of course, is starting to have more command over the offense as well. So I think he's just kind of getting to an age where he was on the on the bench for those first three, four years behind Brett Favre. And you know now he's starting to get... People are looking at 32 years old, but... I have more of a feeling that he, he has the same kind of miles on the tyres as a quarterback who's maybe 28, 29. I think with that one, if you've got... Where you talk about the window possibly opening and you, and you sort of touched on Tom Brady and you've also got Peyton Manning, they're, they're quarterbacks that are getting older. Now, are they the players they were five, six years ago? Probably not. But what they've managed to do is they've managed to keep weapons around them. And the one thing that Green Bay can do through TT and and the structure they've got at Green Bay and the types of players they go after building in the draft and so on and so on, is that they will continue to put a good team around Aaron Rodgers. Now, personally, I think Aaron Rodgers is in his peak at the minute. I don't think uh, the window's closing. Um, I don't think we need to panic just yet. But what he will always have are weapons around him, and that's just because of the way that Green Bay goes about its business. Yeah, and I think I have to add to that as well. I mean, I completely agree, because if you, if you look at Tom Brady, right, I mean... He got his fourth Super Bowl. He's up there with Montana and Terry Bradshaw now of the Steelers, right? So he's he's built, they call it the Patriots dynasty. And they're thinking, can they call it a dynasty now? And they, they can't would agree. But if you look at when he won his first Super Bowl, the only players on the team that won this year's Super Bowl, that won the first one, is him and Vince Wilfork. So that means that he's rotated every single other player, bar him and Big Fat Vince. So... 
I mean, you know, you can do that with an Aaron Rodgers-style player. Um, like what Ryan says, you know, TT's always going to make sure that he has weapons around him, and he's never going to let one player take over the team. Like Greg Jennings, when he gets too big for his boots, he's going to ship him off to Minnesota, you know, into anonymity. He's not going to have a career after that. But the only thing that I would worry about is, is that, you know... Is he more injury prone now? And if he gets put down, because he was the most sacked quarterback for years. Yeah. You know, like last season, he was sacked something like 51 times. He was the most sacked quarterback. Now, the O line, and that's the main thing, really, has improved this year. And that's what really saved him. And I think that they need to keep, you know, a good O line and as well as trying to develop the defense, because that's effectively what loses the Packers. Uh, championships year on year so you can see the likes of the two point conversion with haha Clinton Dix um, you know you can see Morgan Burnett hitting the deck when Julius Peppers told him to stop uh, against the Seahawks so you know the weight is always on the defense and they've gotten better this season and especially when moving Clay to the inside they've, they were an awful lot better but I do think that they need to keep a good O-line but also improve their defense immeasurably now the argument there would be do they keep capers or do they you know show them the door and that's 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 a big topic when it comes to Packers fans, you know. Like I don't know what, what Colin and um, Ryan, what do you guys think about Capers? Is he is he past it now, or do we keep him and, and say it's the players' fault? Well, I think uh, this past season, I thought there was a remarkable improvement as the season went on, up to the fact that when they were going in to play the Seahawks, that I actually thought they had a chance of being able to stop Marshawn Lynch. You know, the, the run defense at the start of the season was very poor, and we're going yeah. to talk about Guillaume in a minute and his arrest, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought he was doing a good job there and at nose tackle stuffing up the run a bit, and then I thought they were doing a good job covering receivers, and they done they, they done it all game against the Seahawks again. The, you know, they, every time they went up against a number one wide receiver, even when Des Bryant came to town, and there was a, that there play call that, you know, could have went either way, really, uh, against the Cowboys. They've uh, they've they've done a good job both covering and stopping the run. I thought as the season went on, they got much much better. It's not a case of where two years ago and the year before that, where you know Colin Kaepernick came in l- last year in particular into Lambeau and ran around them. He made a show of them in Candlestick Park two years ago. So you know the, he has come up with some better stuff, but I think he has better players there too. Julius Peppers was a big improvement this year. I think you know the the cornerbacks and then you've Haha Clinton Dix coming in at safety. I thought he improved. Like I said, I thought that game against the Seahawks was his best game of the season and. You know, that's what yeah. you want to see with players going through a season improving as you go along. So I think this season is bottom time. If you asked me this last season or the year before, I would have said to, to show them the door. But I think uh, this, you know, we've already seen that Sean Slocum has been showing the door as a special teams coach. So I think, you know, Slocum got the, he was a scapegoat maybe for the, for that game. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see Dom Capers back again this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if he was going to go, he'd already be gone. So I think yeah. we've got him this year. Um, and I, I have to agree with you, to be honest. I mean, the, the defense was a hell of a lot better this year, um, so much better than last the last couple of years. We've, I mean, we've moved players around. We tried some things, didn't we? Like you, you mentioned, Clay Matthews coming inside. You actually see Sam Barrington taking the field a lot more than he did the previous season. Um, I know it breaks my heart because I love AJ Hawk, but he he sort <laughs> of maybe spent some time off the field. Brad Jones has obviously been dropped. I mean, they're moving players around. The secondary was a lot better this year. Morgan Burnett looked like a different player. Um, and I know he hit the turf, but um, I think if Julius Peppers told me to do anything, I'd, I'd agree as well. So I think generally defence is, I don't think it's the big issue. Capers, I don't know how long he's got left. Um, maybe the game's starting to evolve past him, if you know what I mean. But um, I think we'll probably see him back in Green Bay this year. I think, I think that's, a, that's a given. 
Yeah, I think he gets another year basically because he survived through when things were really bad and he had a you know a bit of an improvement last season. So I think definitely this year and we'll see where it goes from there. But moving on now, Aaron Rodgers was obviously the uh, league MVP. Was announced before the Super Bowl and you know had a phenomenal season. It was kind of him and JJ Watt were the two guys going for that award. And I think overall, I think Rodgers deserved it. But uh, just now, you know. Rodgers was phenomenal. We all know how good he is. We all know how, like, well, I was going to say how good he can be. He was that good this year. Can he get any better? But I want to take a moment away from Aaron Rodgers and look at outside of Aaron Rodgers, who would you have said was the MVP this season? And outside the Packers or within the Packers? Uh, within the Packers, outside of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know. I think we can't um, look beyond... Well, there's two players to stand out for me, if I can be cheeky, and they're completely re- predictable, but it's just based on stats alone. So Jordy Nelson and Eddie Lacy, so... Like, I was previewing the Seahawks game, and I looked at Eddie Lacy's stats and Marshawn Lynch's stats, and Eddie Lacy was actually, you know, the exact, nearly the exact same as Marshawn Lynch. He was getting the same grades, so he had um, 1,140 yards, you know, 4.7 yards per carry, which is, you know, anytime you hand the ball off to him, he's going to get you half the way. And if you couple that with A-Rod, who, ha- who had a 65.6% completion percentage, and his average attempt was 8.4 yards... So if you have a quarterback and you know can on over half of his throws can get eight and a half yards and a running back who can carry for almost five yards, you're nearly guaranteed a first down with those two players alone, which is phenomenal. And then uh, Jordy Nelson then as well, he was hands down the best, the most consistent wide receiver in the league. One thousand five hundred nineteen yards. He had five hundred fifty eight of those yards were after the catch. So one third of all the Jordy Nelson's yards are after he catches the ball which is completely mental, and his uh, yards per reception is 15.5 yards per reception. Yeah, nice. Which is, which is nuts. And, I mean, they're doing this thing on the Packers' website now that if you, if you look them up, you can see, you know, the top plays. And one of those is like a Jordy Nelson run of 80 yards and then another Jordy Nelson run of 60 yards after the catch. You know, it's just his, his numbers are phenomenal. And he doesn't have a drop-off. He's the same every year. Last year, he was only second to Brandon Marshall. And this year, he was actually ranked the best wide receiver in the league until at the very end in the postseason. So I think you can't look past Nelson and Lacey. Just when you mentioned uh, Nelson and Lacey as your combined two, I just want to ask you if uh, Eddie Lacey's taken out of this team, does Jordy Nelson get those yards? Because you find a lot of those uh, yards that Nelson's getting, particularly the ones after the catcher, ones that to play action pass off, you know how good the run game has been going for Lacey that opens it up for him and gets him maybe one-on-one coverage on the outside when the box is stacked. So... Do you think maybe that makes Lacey slightly more important in that in that respect? Um, I definitely think so, um, and I reckon what what it does is is that it makes you respect the run. And if he doesn't uh, put it out to Jordy, because let's face it, you're going to have your best cornerback on Jordy, yeah. and then you've got Randall Cobb, who actually ended the season ninth best, and he has similar numbers. Like he's one thousand two hundred eighty-seven yards total. Six hundred and three of those are after the catch, so half of his yards are after the catch. You know, he's he's averaging just below Jordy at 14.1 yards per reception again, which is ridiculous. He 12 touchdowns on the season, and he's the best slot receiver. So, you know, you've got quadruple, uh, quintuplet threats on the team. You know, you've got, if you respect Lacey too much and stack the box, well, then he's going to Jordy. If you cover Jordy and double-team him, he's going to Cobb. And then, you know, you have guys like Richard Rogers, who Aaron Rogers said had the best hands on the team, you know, and he's only, you know. He's on the field for very little, but when he is, he always seems to make a big play here and there, you know? 
Yeah, you got a few big plays uh, against the Seahawks uh, early in that game as well, a few key conversions. But you mentioned their uh, Cobb as well. I heard a ridiculous stat uh, today, and I think it was was it eighty five percent of all his catches either went for touchdowns or first downs. Uh, yeah. Out of that, there was only fifteen percent that didn't lead to at least a first down. So phenomenal stuff from him as well. Just Ryan uh, didn't get to your MVP yet. Have you anyone out of those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I think the MVP shout's always pretty obvious. I mean. The players, Steve said, um, you know, Jordy, Lacey and Rogers really are going to take that. But I think um, where we actually did nicely this year is we had some some rookies come in and do some really, really big jobs. Yeah. Um, so I think some guys that stood out for me is um, Corey Lindsley at centre. Yeah. That's, you know, centre is really not an easy position to play. Um, and he came in and I think seamlessly took over that role and he's probably now made that his job. Well, uh, yeah. so, so, sorry, just since you're going to go with uh, Lindsley and you're talking about the rookies, my next question was about the rookie class, so <laughs> I'll let you, rather than do the MVP, I'll give you who was the rookie of the year, and the guys I had put down in this this kind of group was Haha, Clinton Dix, Devontae Adams, Corey Lindsley and Richard Rogers. so maybe you somebody out of that group, but out of that, who would you put as your, your rookie of the year for the Packers? Okay, uh, yeah, okay then, rookie of the year. Um, I don't know, it's hard, isn't it, because you've got Haha, Clinton Dix, he, you know, he made a big difference to the secondary. He gets to make all those flashy plays. He gets the interceptions. He gets the big tackles in the open field. So you're seeing what he's doing. You're probably not when you're watching the game so much watching the watching the O line and what they're doing. Um, it's tough. It's for me. Devontae Adams, Richard Rogers were fantastic, um, great additions. Um, but they've they've definitely got more to come where they'll get more playing time. But I think you've got to try and pick now between Ha Ha and and, and Lindsley. Um, I think for me, uh, fool, I don't know. I'm going to go Lindsley. Yeah, well, I was going to say I would go Lindsley too because if you remember back to the first game against the Seattle Seahawks, everyone was talking about the pressure on him. He that was going to be his first start in the National Football League, and you know from then to where he is now, there's such a vast improvement, and obviously. Roger seems very happy playing with him as well. So I, I think if you're looking at how he progressed throughout his rookie season, I think uh, I would give him the rookie of the year. Although you know a lot of people don't watch too much offensive line play. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I'd have to agree, Lindsley, hands down. Uh, I think Haha Clinton Dix didn't get his first interception until later on in the season, and he had a massive impact in the end. Devonte yeah. Adams had a case of the dropsies uh, at the start of the season <laughs> as well. He was, I thought he was going to be benched and. Because you know Mike McCarthy doesn't play lads who can't catch the ball. We all see what happened to. Um, your man who went off to Detroit, what was his name? Ross. Ross. Fumbled in the playoffs, yeah. That's the thing. I don't even remember his name. He's that far gone, you know. (laughs) So I was thinking that Devontae Adams, I know he's a rookie, but he was dropping a bit. And and in fairness to him, uh, it was wet conditions, I think, in the game that I keep thinking of. And he just, he wasn't having a good game. But Lindsay, for sure, because, you know any player that we've had in there has been hot and cold there's been an awful lot of change and, and I think it's definitely his job now and I really want to see him in there because look how much time Aaron Rodgers sometimes had to play especially when he was on one one leg yeah. you know no, I, I definitely agree and uh, the likes of Adams you mentioned his drops it's funny his two biggest games of the season one against the Patriots and one against the Cowboys but I think there's a lot more to come from him and you know as a rookie it's usually that second third year that they make the step up so I think there's a, a lot of positives to come from him just now, uh, moment of the season to, to go, um, what what would your moment of the season be? There's a few that spring to mind for me. Aaron Rodgers returning against the Detroit Lions after we all thought that he might have been done for the season. Everything was gone, the playoffs were gone. And uh, he comes back and leads the team to victory. And the other one I'm sure you'll remember was R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> and, uh, 
I don't know, they were my two favourite moments, but have, have you anything that you want to talk about as a, as a personal favourite moment of the season? I will go with looking at Richard Sherman looking like he was going to cry his eyes out at the end of the Super Bowl. <laughs> and not uh, Packers moment. Okay, Packers related. Uh, <laughs> that was a nice I, moment, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I still like the Miami game, the, yeah. the, the fake spike, uh, just, just because it was, I don't know, sometimes when you watch Green Bay, you sometimes just want them to do that something, something a little surprising, something a little bit flashy, but I have to say I can't argue with the way we play because it gets results and we, we do well season on season. That, for me, was that little bit of uh, what me, you, and everybody else would do on Madden, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, that just kind of looked like it was computer game time, and um, yeah, it was good. That, that For me, I like that. Yeah, I reckon um, I was going to go for the Miami game as well because that really stands out to me. Uh, another one I go for is the uh, Peppers pick six where he ran it back and then oh, cut yes, the hand leap because he's too much of a fat arse. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh, but I think, do you know what I think the play of the whole season was? Is Mike McCarthy throwing the flag on Des Bryant? Yeah, you forget about that actually. Yeah, I, that has to be one of the plays of the season and it's not even made by someone on the pitch. Brilliant. And uh, just Des Bryant's reaction of like, you know, he's shouting at the ref saying, but I was reaching out over the goal line and you're thinking, like, that's that's being a double idiot. You know what I mean? Don't reach out over the damn goal line. Just, you're already on the ground. Just, you know, stay on the ground, tuck the ball in. You should know better than that. And it was just, I don't know, it was brilliant. It was inspired. Like, and that's exactly what you need to be doing. And I goes to show that in the modern NFL, you know, you need to have the trick plays like Miami. You need strong defense like the Peppers pick six, but you also need good coaching and good coaching decisions. And if that's throwing a, a challenge flag, well, then by all, all be it. Like. I suppose we a lot of people are criticizing McCarthy after the, the Seahawks game. Maybe, you know, people quickly forget that I wouldn't have threw the flag there because I didn't think there was enough to overturn it. But in the end, there was. And uh, it was a big, big moment in the season, obviously. Moving on towards next season now, there's a couple of players going in towards free agency with the likes of Randall Cobb, Brian Berlaga, Julius Peppers. Who, obviously, I think Cobb's the key to this. Uh, I want to know if you think they'll be back or not be back. Randall Cobb, he's only this year now. I don't know. A lot of people probably think Randall Cobb's probably about 27 years old. Randall Cobb's 24 years old, born in 1990, and uh, that makes him younger than me anyway. I don't know if he's younger than you two guys, but absolutely incredible that he's only 24 and he's been playing so well over the last few years so I can't see any way that they let him uh, become a free agent uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think you're spot on uh, you've got to sign him, I can't see him leaving he's he's too good a player to let walk out Yeah, no, I think the same, I mean when you look at his stats, you know, he was he was one of the top 10 wide receivers in the whole game you know, with half, like like that stat that you raised there, Colin, about if 80, 80% or, yeah. you know, 75% of all of his plays are touchdowns or whatever, you know, he's almost a utility wide receiver. They were using him in the backfield this season as well. So he, you know, when Lacey does get banged up, which he's prone to do, and that was a known fact when he was drafted at a college that he was prone to injury. You can use Cobb out of the backfield. He's the best slot receiver in the game. I think he's overtaken Wes Welker now for his effectiveness. Uh, you have to sign him up. You know, and with the other players that you mentioned, you know, like Brian Balaga, again, his presence back, uh, you know, I think really strengthened the line. I think you need him. I think you need him as well. Julius Peppers, I think his presence and his height, his dominance on the D-line, you know, I think made our secondary play better this year. Now, when you you look at his actual stats, it's surprising because he actually doesn't do too well. So, you know, he's when it comes to run stuff. And you know what? Julius Peppers is the type of player who... He can play kind of mediocre and he can get lost a bit, but then he comes up with a devilish play. I know one of Ryan's favourites is where he slaps the ball out of uh, Murray's hands yeah. when he's trying to get in. I know 
like when because we, we discussed the play of the season ourselves, and we had a vote on the UK Packers website, and that was one of Ryan's favourites actually. So I'm sure my, Ryan would probably have more to say about Peppers than I would, but. I think all of those players you mentioned are very important, but I do think that the Packers might have to pick and choose. They're not going to be able to sign everybody because, if I'm not mistaken, is Tremont Williams, is he not up for free agency? Yeah, here, I, have, I have them written down too, but I thought the, the three key ones now, I thought were those three. You mentioned Balaga. Obviously, the line was much improved this year, so you'd be hoping it would come back. I think if it was this time last year before he got injured and missed the whole of last season, you'd have been looking at a big contract for him, but he really yeah. has that health concern from that injury and you know he had a good year this year but he wasn't being people were talking about the whole line they weren't singling out individual players in that line really so I think they might get him back on a quite a quite a good contract for the team and I hope that's what happens but the one that is worrying for will they take him back or won't they take him back is Peppers I think it's a 12 million cap hit if they take him back I think you were mentioning there sometimes he doesn't play that well his stats mightn't reflect it sometimes I think he takes plays off but the thing I think he does is inspires the other players around him and he was really a leader in the locker room from seems from all aspects this year so I think for the locker room and for improving the rest of the players around him I think he's a key piece but I don't think they'll take him back at the number he's expected to get and you know it's it's down to renegotiating the contract obviously you mentioned Ryan really enjoyed that play with DeMarco Murray uh, Ryan would he be a player that you'd be thinking about restructuring and getting him back or do you think that it, maybe they'll just let him go yeah, I can't see them um, paying him the, the, the 12 million no I think it's a tough one isn't it because when you get to that that age as a player and don't get me wrong he's far fitter than I am but he's got <laughs> to that age as a player where um, if you keep him he, he, he's all of a sudden just going to fall off isn't he yeah. it's, it's, it's going to stop it's, it's going to go downhill but this season he's proved he's still an effective player now I agree with you is he a 12 million effective player Probably not. But then that's where now I think what you might see is some sort of renegotiation because Peppers wants the Super Bowl. Unless he leaves us to go to Seattle or New England, does he have a better chance of getting one? Probably not. So I think somebody is going to say to him, look, probably not 12 million, Julius, but we offer you this. And what we also offer you is a legitimate chance at winning a Super Bowl. I think that is what might keep him. Yeah, I think at his age now, the money's probably he's made enough money in his career. I can see where it's coming from. Probably at this point, I think it's does he go back to the Packers or does he retire? You know, I suppose that's a question in his head as well. Maybe that was his last go round. But I think the you know when he signed that contract, obviously he thought he had two years left, and I think they might get him back. And hopefully, I hope they get him back. But hopefully, it'll be a lower number. But um, we'll see what happens there. You mentioned there Tremont Williams, obviously, and House is also. You know, they're kind of. I think one of them will come back. I don't think both of them are coming back. I suppose it depends then on those other three contracts we already talked about. And then uh, Letroy Guy, and I thought he was a certainty to come back. I thought he had a pretty good season, second half especially, helping in that run run game. But there's no way, in my opinion, he's coming back now after what's gone down with him and the arrest. And, that. and then BJ Raji was the player he replaced. And I think there's a good chance he'd get Raji at a, you know, probably at a minimum contract. And I think, you know, he'll come back. He's at a year off. He might be a bit more inspired this year than he was the last few years he played because he was a he was a player that there was quite a a, a big amount of criticism about over the last few years so yeah and rightly so to be honest Colin because yeah. when, when you look at his position when he was playing before Latroy came in uh there was 67 players playing as his position now you might go how and that's because an awful lot of players get injured or they get usurped uh, with their team so there was yeah. 67 players in his position and he ranked 65th which is two from the very bottom, and he started the whole season, which is atrocious. But as you say, I don't think the Packers really have an option now because 
with the whole philosophy in Green Bay, if you act like Breaking Bad, you get let go. And that's exactly what's going to be happening. That's drug dealer quantities, yeah. allegedly, that he had in his car with an alleged gun with, you know, an well, alleged... It, ha- it has come out since that the gun wasn't loaded. It is registered. Uh, you know, it wasn't an illegal firearm. And then yeah. that the, the money had come from the Green Bay Packers. So everything apart from the drug seems to have been started out. <laughs> but I just think... You know, you're looking to get a, a player. You're in negotiations with them. By all accounts, they were looking to to sign him to maybe a multi-year contract. And yeah. you know, he needed to keep his head down. And you know, it, it's a, it's a big problem for the, for the organization. But maybe it'll be something that they might think these will get him now for a lot less money. And maybe they do take him back. Or I think he'll end up though on a team where there's somebody goes down with an injury and he comes in as a replacement. But maybe BJ Raji comes in. He's coming off that biceps injury and maybe he you know he's he's ready to go again because. He has shown in the past the ability he has. He's a big man and he he, he can use it kind of. So we'll see we'll see what happens there on the on the Williams and House front. What do you think? Do you think it's one of them comes back or? With um, I I don't know. I think is this you probably I would keep House and let Williams go. Yeah, just because of the age, is it or? Yeah, because I think I can't remember who said it. Um, but somebody said didn't they? It's better to. Better to cut a player one year early than keep a player around it's one year too long. Probably Belichick. <laughs> yeah, so it, but you know what I mean. It's that it's that sort of thinking. And yeah. Williams, even though I think last season Williams was better, because remember there were some people that were saying this guy can't tackle in an open field anymore. Yeah. Um, but he seemed to be getting back on his game last year, so he looks good. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I just get the feeling you keep the younger guy, let the older one go. Um, and then you look to bring in a, a corner back in the draft. Yeah, I do. I do think that's the way it's going to go, in my opinion as well. So you've kind of summed that up pretty well. You mentioned the draft, and obviously there's a, a number of issues that the Packers probably need to address. But I think last year's draft and that rookie class we mentioned there was a lot of positives out of it. I think they can improve. But you know, Clay Matthews was playing inside linebacker, and it did it did help the team dramatically. But you're taking away your one of your best pass rushers and playing him inside. I think uh, maybe that's a, a key area that they'll address. You mentioned earlier, Ryan, you're a big fan of AJ Hawk. I think we all like AJ Hawk as a person, but as a player over the last two or three years, his play has you know declined I don't think there's any real doubt about that but I think that's a, a key area they need to address and then maybe if one of those cornerbacks go you need to you need to address that but is there any other areas of key you know I think we're set at wide receivers because you have you know you have Cobb Nelson you have Devontae Adams you're going to have uh, Aberderis you know he he was a rookie last year but he was injured for the whole season you're going to have players that can make the plays maybe a tight end if there's a good tight end coming out but you mentioned Rodgers and Roger, Aaron Rodgers likes Richard Rodgers is there any other areas I don't think we don't need anything at running back there's a, like this team there's a lot to be positive about you know you were talking about Peppers and trying to sell him on a, a chance to win a Super Bowl well there's not many teams in the league that are in as good a situation as the Packers at the moment what areas do you think they need to address um, definitely middle linebacker um, if they, if if uh, I I'm not overly sure where whether all the pieces are going to fit in the draft a minute, but certainly I wouldn't mind spending a first-round pick on a middle linebacker if there's a, a good one out there at the, at the time. Um, I think you're probably looking at defensive tackle um, because I think if you're giving out awards this season, the Troy Guyon gets dumbass of the year um, <laughs> because he probably had a, a decent contract coming yeah, his way so. after a good year. But um, maybe we bring back Raji, but I think we should draft for the future as well. Um I know we got the young guy on there as well. I can't remember his name. Is it Josh Boyd? Yeah. But we didn't we didn't see a great deal of him. So maybe we. It all depends who falls where. But um, yeah, I think cornerback as well. I don't think you can ever have enough good cornerbacks. Um, I, I saw somebody put down um, on some of the cards reading saying we should probably go after 
a, a quarterback, obviously in the later rounds, somebody to back up Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Do we do we need it? Uh, I think. I think the way Aaron Rodgers, as we mentioned, is the MVP. I think if we've seen it two years ago, if Rodgers goes down, well, I know they got to the playoffs, but if Rodgers goes down, you're going to get nobody that's even half as good as him. I think Flynn, to be honest with you, is going to be nearly as useful as any rookie that's going to come out and come into the team. So I, I could see why you would do it, and you might hit on something good in the draft, but I suppose they took Rodgers before they needed to replace Favre. But I just think uh, it could be, you know, you're hoping that Rodgers is there for five or six years. The, the Patriots last year uh, took, a, took a quarterback in Garoppolo, and I think maybe that's a, an option. But, you know, they had Mallet there for a number of years at the Patriots, and he was never going to get an opportunity away now. He's with the Texans. So I think it, it could be a waste of a pick, but you, you can I can see the logic in it as well. I would rather address some of the, maybe the defensive pieces rather than take a quarterback. Maybe if it was the, the sixth or seventh round, but then usually quarterbacks that late on, unless you're Tom Brady, don't turn out to be worth that much. Yeah, I I sort of personally think that what we need to do is we need to be more aggressive on defense. So I reckon we should go after maybe, a, you know, I think we need to go for bigger cornerbacks because I think the ones at Green Bay tend to be quite slight and small. I think Something we need like Seattle has. Yeah, exactly. Someone aggressive. Like, you know, Richard Sherman is the third and he's third best in the league behind Chris Harris Jr. and Vontae Davis. And, you know, he's aggressive. He's a trash talker and I, he's obnoxious and I hate him, right? Yeah. But I do think that, you know, you need that aggressiveness. Now, we're not doing too bad in Casey Hayward. He's ninth. You know, and PFF grade him fairly high. But then when you do look at the likes of Tremont Williams, he's 34th in mm-hmm. his position. You know, he's behind people like uh, Marcus Burley, William Gay, uh, EJ Gaines. You know, people that you sort of like, who? You know, like, <laughs> you know. So I reckon uh, Jonathan Joseph. Uh, so, yeah, I think you need to get a good, strong, physical, large presence in cornerback and really shut down their number one wide receiver, whoever you face. Because can we really, you know, go up against the likes of Megatron when he's on form or Des Bryant? You know, we need someone big because and if you look at the likes of Gronk, you know, you need someone to go up. Now, that's more of a safety that to be covering the tight end. Yeah. But, you know, you do need someone big and physical to go up against these dudes because the, the people are getting bigger. And, you know, tight end and wide receiver-wise, these lads coming out of college. And the star receivers are usually these big, tall dudes who can go up. And the only way they, to beat you is by out-jumping you. So I reckon that all defense, because as you, as you lads said, I think offense, leave it exactly alone the way it is. Like what you were saying earlier, Colm, uh, Adams is only going to get better. Um, and we already hopefully has re-signed Randall Cobb with Jordy Nelson, Eddie Lacy. We don't need any more there. Keep the O-line as it is. Uh, so, yeah, definitely defense. And like what Ryan says, maybe... A linebacker, but a good thing to note here as well is is that I know that you sort of said moving Clay matches to the inside, you you lose one of your pass rushers. But his actual stats in his first eight games, uh, he had 19 tackles with two and a half sacks. When they moved him to the inside, he had 42 tackles and eight and a half sacks. So yeah, he, that's interesting. Yeah, he he quadrupled these sacks on the quarterback by moving on the inside, which you think wouldn't make sense, but it actually does. So I don't know. I think that uh, maybe a line, inside linebacker, but. Uh, I don't know. I think Barrington's going to get better. He's he's a good uh, command and presence. He just needs to cut down the penalties. That's all. Yeah, he he did improve this season as the season went on. Uh, obviously, I mentioned getting somebody in the inside to play so Matthews can go back to his position. Well, if you think that if Matthews' stats of the team looks at that, think he's better in there. Maybe maybe switch that around. And you need to get somebody who's going to rush the rush the quarterback. I think they're one of the two areas. Whether you have Matthews inside or outside, I know he provides that versatility. But you want to have somebody kind of. They're not, probably not going to be as good as Clay, but somebody who has that ability to either get to the quarterback or to stop the run and you know switch yeah. it up as well. But I think there's a lot to be positive about. Uh, you know, teams like the the Patriots, obviously Brady's getting older. You have uh, the the Broncos, Manning. I would say he'll still come back play another year, but you know he's getting older. 
we, we were afraid kind of the 49ers and the Seahawks we put up a good fight against the Seahawks I think if we played them again we might beat them and I think you know the, the 49ers obviously Jim Harbaugh has been run out of town there and Kaepernick's regressed a bit so I think if you're looking at the NFC Drew Brees as well uh, kind of going downhill a little bit but you know can't write them off but it is uh, it's, there's positives to look at and hopefully next season we'll be back in that NFC cha- championship game again and have a chance to win it but uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of talked about between now and the start of the season but it's been great having you on uh, the two guys obviously uh, I want to give a plug I'll let you just give the plug to uh, the UK Packers fan group you can obviously find them on twitter it's at packers underscore uk the website is ukpackers.co.uk but just uh, before we finish up guys either one of you want to as uh, as founders of it want to give it a, a plug in your own words go on ryan you're the salesman <laughs> <laughs> um basically it is it's just a group for packers fans we've we also have lots of um guys following us actually from other teams as well um because they like to give us a bit of a dig when <laughs> play against them but <laughs> Generally, all, all it is, the Twitter, the Facebook, the website, it's it's fans getting together. And then at, at certain points of season, obviously Super Bowl every year, it's then all meeting up and going out. Um, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Is that what we do? Well, pretty much it. And then our Instagram as well. Like, we set up the Instagram just because people were screaming for it because we had this Packer pick of the day. So our Instagram now, we have over 123,000 likes on it. Um, which is pretty crazy, and it's mostly just trash talking about other teams. But it's not like soccer, you know. It's not sort of boneheaded stuff. It's just funny internet memes. Yeah, fun because there's people do it from other teams as well against the Packers, right. and there is times you do find it funny as well. So it's all about getting the interaction. Of course, you know when you're and the whether you're in America or in the UK, the internet's a great way of can interact with people from all different areas of the world. So definitely encourage you to go and check that out. It's been a lot of fun, guys, having the two years on together. Uh, it's the first time we've got to chat to Ryan, so a lot of fun having him on. Stephen as always it's been a been a blast and uh, maybe we'll do it again uh, closer to the season maybe after the draft uh, to talk more Packers sounds good yep I look forward to it hi this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker the host of the Ross Tucker football podcast and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast so DJ, that was the guys there from the Packers UK fan group. Of course, they mentioned their Instagram and so on. Go check them out on Twitter. Check out the Instagram. Lots of fun stuff going on with them. Even if you're not a Packers fan, do check that out. But I really enjoyed talking through a lot of the stuff for uh, the Packers season. Obviously, it finished on a sour note and a very disappointing note. But hopefully, there's some positives to get out of it and looking strong going into next season, I think. So... Uh, DJ, just there before we went into the interview, you were talking about watching back the Super Bowl. I actually watched it back today, uh, watched it back this evening. And, you know, watching back, you know, I watched the game tape. I watched the All-22 on Game Pass uh, during the week. I watched the uh, Sound FX to get another perspective. I thought that was fantastic. Anyone that doesn't have Game Pass or maybe have Game Pass, just check out some of those clips. They have them up on NFL.com, samples of the clips, and then they have a one-hour show on the uh, Game Pass doing the you know the sound effects from the whole game some fantastic sound bites to, to be taken away from that really really interesting and insightful stuff from behind the scenes and uh, watching the all 22 you know you get you watch the play from the, the different angles but when you're watching i'm back today and watch it just on the uh, you know the actual tv footage and absolutely incredible the way it went down from that play to i think it was Lockett who caught that long deep ball that bounced about everywhere after butler got his hand to it and then of course the wrong play by Kers, Kers, sorry, yeah, it was almost the that was at the they were on about the could have been the the curse of New England, but uh, obviously thoughts going back to that David Terry catch a few years ago. But when he caught that ball, then there was a timeout wasted. Then they ran it with Lynch. They, you know, it was just a shoestring tackle to stop Lynch, and then obviously they went and uh, called another timeout, and they went and threw it on on the next down, and it was intercepted. But when you're watching on the TV and listening to the commentators, and that it's absolutely incredible. It's almost like 
you know, com- complete uh, movie stuff when you're watching it. So has to be good for a, a Patriots fan watching it back. But just uh, the drama and it was absolutely unbelievable. And you know, I- I'm playing now with the Donegal Derry Vipers, the the new setup team here in the Irish American Football League. They're up here in the Northwest and. You know, it's a, a kind of cross-border community thing with uh, people from Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland playing in the one team. Great turnouts again, and I was up there today and we were talking about the game and our thoughts on it, and everyone was just, you know, there's so much elements to talk about, and uh, everyone obviously stayed up late last week and watched it, and uh, it was great to get all a variety of different people's thoughts, but I mentioned the team there, a lot of fun up with them again, so hopefully, uh, I think the, the first game's uh, four weeks away, so hopefully we'll have everything going nice and strong for them, but team's starting to take shape, doing some you know, defensive and offensive plays against each other today for the first time uh, this season and really, really starting to get into the swing of things. So a lot of fun up there. So just uh, hopefully things continue to go onwards and upwards for uh, us. And anyone that uh, wants to check them out on Twitter, it's at VIP. It's uh, the new local team up here in the Northwest. But I'll be tweeting out bits and pieces from that from both my page and the Overtime Ireland page throughout the year. And uh, hopefully it'll all be successful stuff rather than uh, getting a few getting on the, the wrong end of a few uh, <laughs> results. But hopefully things go well. DJ, on to the National Football League again, and there's obviously lots of stuff going on around the league. I said it again, it's nearly a process that I say lots of stuff always going on around the league. But there is stuff going on around the league, and uh, first up, Rich Young Cognito, we all remember him from the situation in Miami when he got cut from the Dolphins after the whole situation with Jonathan Martin, and Jonathan Martin now with the, the San Francisco 49ers, Rich Young Cognito was without a club for a long time. He's now signed with the Buffalo Bills, DJ. Uh, any, you've, you've more news than that? Yeah, Calm, he agreed terms with the Buffalo Bills over the weekend well remember Richie Incognito from his time in Miami and I'm sure he'll now go into the popular books with the Miami fans now that he's joined fellow AFC East team the Buffalo Bills he never probably was a big follower of Patriots fans so (laughs) yet again Richie Incognito joins that elite group of players in the AFC East that Patriots fans aren't really Big fans of, but he's playing for the Bills, so we're not going to get overly concerned about that. But interesting signing for the Bills. He could actually be good for them, and they're looking to strengthen now under popular man Rex Ryan. Yeah, he turned 32 there uh, in July, and you know he's a player that has always split opinion. But there's no doubt about it, he's a physical player, and he, you know, you know the the line down there in Miami wasn't great when he was in it, but. He was, uh, you know, a key piece of it for a number of years and had played at a quite a decent standard. So we'll see what he does with the Bills. Those teams interested last year, the likes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos, but nothing ever materialised out of it. So he's staying, or he's going now to the the division rivals and the the Buffalo Bills. And he's kind of everyone said Rex Ryan wanted to bully for this uh, team. So I guess uh, in more ways than one, they probably got one. But you know, it seems to be that he spent quite a bit of time with the Buffalo Bills over the last few weeks. Spent time with some people in the organisation around the time there of the Super Bowl over the last week or so, and. Uh, they seem to think he's in a good place so you know maybe he gets into the right environment and uh, it all works out for him and you know we've seen players in the past learn from their mistakes and uh, things started to go a bit better for them later in their career but you know he's probably a year or two left in the league and uh, you know it's a, it's a move for the Buffalo Bills as they try and strengthen the, the depth off their roster DJ mentioned earlier Malcolm Butler is going to be getting that uh, Give that car from Chevrolet or that truck from Chevrolet. He wants to. He's come out and he said, you know, it's amazing the the response this week and how he's been interacted with and so on between the the press, the media, everything going on, the fans. But uh, he wants to be proved next season that he's not just going to be remembered by just one play. If he has only remembered for one play, DJ, quite a quite a big play to be remembered by a Super Bowl one an interception. But uh, you know, he's talking already about coming back next season and 
trying to trying to develop his game and you know make himself a more consistent part on the, that Patriots roster is that something that you can see happening or you know there is a lot of good players there the likes of Darrell Reeves not that he's going to have to compete with uh, do you think he's you know obviously he's a rookie he was unsigned or undrafted and he's free agent signing this year for the Patriots he's got a chance now to develop it'll probably take him a couple of years to get you know a real real starting job but maybe there's, there's some promise there but um, at the same time maybe as a guy like last year with Malcolm Smith in the in the Super Bowl, got the MVP, and and this year Super Bowl didn't play a single down or a single snap in the Super Bowl. So sometimes you can have things like this where it's just a one-off play. But he had some big plays uh, throughout that Super Bowl, especially uh, on a couple of third down plays, and he stopped Marshall Lynch a couple of times too. So maybe there is some potential there. Yeah, come hopefully Malcolm Butler will be remembered for being more than a one-play guy. But to be quite honest with it, I'll, I'll be happy if that you know, unless it's. A major play makes in next year's Super Bowl. I'll be happy for Malcolm Butler to be a one-play kind of guy. But I think he should be given a chance next season. And as long as he remembers to not use the same alarm clock company as Jonas Bray, he's going to be <laughs> safe enough and he will get another game. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true too. Jonas Bray, uh, you know, he had a monster game against the Colts and shooting a slap in. Ligar Blunt obviously getting the, the, the start in the Super Bowl. DJ in the same division, obviously we'll stick with that and with the Miami Dolphins and Mike Wallace, obviously situation between him and the team seems to be up in the air at the moment, reported that him and the Dolphins GM are going to sit down, have talks and see how things go, but Mike Wallace pulled himself, if you remember from the, the game in week 17, the loss to the Jets, decided he didn't want to play in the rest of the game, so pulled himself out, which is, in my opinion, a, an absolutely disgraceful act from any player you're getting paid by the team, you have to be professional and follow through on whatever the game plan is and play it out. But, you know, he, he he's owed quite a bit of money. He signed a huge five-year contract in 2013, $60 million contract. You know, he's due almost $10 million this coming season. The only thing is, last season didn't get a 1,000 yards, but he did tie his career high in touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, so I suppose there's some potential from there. But, you know, there's always going to be the character issues with him. Not so that he does anything bad off the field, but when he's on the field, sometimes... He doesn't seem to, to want to commit 100% to what the team's philosophy is or what they're doing. And, you know, you, you can't really have that when you're trying to be a successful uh, franchise. Mike Wallace, DJ, do you think that he's going to be back with the Miami Dolphins or do you think that, you know, that they're going to part ways here and he'll be a free agent again? I don't know. I, I was surprised that the money they gave him back in 2013, he's obviously a, a player with huge speed and, you know, he's a burner on the outside. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill is not famed for that deep ball. I've mean, a few com- times I've compared him on this show to Alex Smith, who's not a player who throws the ball downfield very often so maybe if you linked him up with a player like Joe Flacco although they already have a player in Tory Smith who does a similar job but you need that kind of strong arm quarterback to get the ball downfield to him and uh, this t- this season a lot of the times Mike Wallace and you know seems to have complained that 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 option isn't given to him do you think the Dolphins are better to walk away because obviously he's a, a player that doesn't put the team first yeah, come, I think it's difficult for any team to take a player back that has basically pulled himself out of the game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Dolphins. A lot of people thought or expected him to be cut, but now that he's met with the GM and there's some reports that the meeting went quite well, we could be seeing Mike Wallace back in Miami next year. So it's really going to be one of those decisions that will be made perhaps in training camp. Speaking of wide receivers, we have Doug Baldwin. He scored a touchdown uh, against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It was the play before uh, 
chairman was doing the 24 signal under the camera it was the one that where Darrell Rivas got blocked by the referee that the it was an interesting pick play there but uh, he, he pooped the ball out he decided he was going to have a celebration pretended he was pooing the ball out into the end zone and he's got fined $11,000 for his part in that and uh, although I thought at the time it you know it was maybe amusing that the cameras cut away from it didn't show it again but uh, overall I think it was a play that you it was something that he was always going to get fined for and uh, that has come true in the end, and you know he done a lot of talking in the off or in the in the season about the team not being respected enough, and so on and so forth. But uh, at, at the wide receiver position, obviously not the, at the actual team. But uh, in this game, that was his one catch, which went for a touchdown, but a lot of help there, thanks to the officiating crew. Adrian Peterson, DJ, might be fighting his way back into the league at a meeting this past week with the NFL. Uh, and you know he, he's trying to get reinstated. That meeting took place on Friday. He said he thinks he got a fair, you know, a fair trial this time. And uh, when he says that, you're bound to think that it looks like he might get back into the league this coming season. I was surprised at how much of a suspension he got, although the the circumstances behind it and so on and so forth. There has been you know precedent in the past. I thought he would have got to play the last four games this season, although he obviously missed the whole season this year. I think he played week one, DJ. I think they played Patriots in week two. That was the first game he missed. So missed uh, basically the whole season on that one. It was around the same time as the Ray Rice thing. And uh, obviously... It looks like he's going back in the league. I, I talked with a few people about this. I think that he's going to be... I would If I was putting money down now, he's not going to be able to the sort of Vikings. And if I had to pick a team, I think he's going to end up down with Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys because I think DeMarco Murray is going to hit free agency and I think they're going to try and get some deal worked out with Adrian Peterson to play in his uh, home state. So I think that's I think that's the way we'll see it. But, um, it'll be interesting. You know, he's had a year... Obviously, he didn't want a year off, but he's got a year to, to kind of rest up his body and uh, maybe we'll see him come back a little bit fresher and ready to obviously he doesn't have to prove a point on the field but he'll be looking to, to finish out his last few years in the NFL on a strong note so that's that's a little bit of news from around the NFL not a whole lot of other stuff happening and uh, obviously we'll be filling up these shows over the over the off season more with interviews and talking about teams as we mentioned we're going to want a few guys uh, that follow the draft very very closely from the NFL network among other things to uh, to talk about the draft as it comes closer in the number next few weeks to combine and so on we'll want guys like Matt Money Smith and Mike Huggin and all working with NFL network and so on to talk about it and maybe even get Daniel Jeremiah back on with him on last year and obviously he knows his stuff as a, as a perspective of an NFL scout and he's, he's very good at what he does and with that, uh, you know, the schedule is going to be mixed up from week to week. There might be one show some weeks, two shows other weeks, but we're going to be doing that there and uh, with taking in other teams to get perspective like we don't have the Packers today. And, of course, stay tuned to the At Overtime Ireland Twitter feed for that. So, uh, DJ, really and truly, that's really everything wrapped up. If you like the show, please hit the subscribe button. Give us a written or comment on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to us on. Download multiple devices. Follow Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com. Ian Com, before we finish up the show... Want to wish you a happy birthday. You're now well over a quarter of a century on this earth. It's a whole year over a quarter of a century, but just add some drama into that. If you're listening to the podcast on Monday, be sure to head over to at Overtime Ireland, wish Column a happy birthday. If you're listening to it after Monday, be sure to wish Column a belated birthday. It's on at Overtime Ireland, so be sure to hit him up on Twitter there and Wish him a happy birthday. Yeah, actually, I forgot all about that, so hopefully there'll be some uh, goodies coming my way tomorrow and uh, some surprises, maybe. Until uh, we'll be back then, DJ, I'll be, I suppose I'll be another, well, I'll be a day older or a week older, but we'll call it a year older, and uh, we'll, have a, we'll have another show. So, as I mentioned, the schedule, we might have another show later in this week. Uh, just depends on how, how we get that lined up. And, of course, as always, until then, my name's Colm. Rob DJ. 
And until then, have a good one. Go Pack Go! Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production. 